This is the Lost Start of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lost Start of Communication podcast. Today, we are going to talk about how to handle confrontation with compassion. And by confrontation, we mean talking to someone face-to-face about an issue that you're having or about something that needs to be addressed. We're mostly going to talk about how to confront someone when the issue is on your end, but we can also touch on what to do if someone else confronts you out of nowhere. How do we handle ourselves in that moment? And the key thing here is we want to remember to do this with compassion, with love. If you're talking to someone about an issue, it should be for a good reason. It should be rooted in one of your values. You're not, we don't mean confrontation in the uber negative sense of, okay, I'm being aggressive and I'm fighting someone. That's not what we mean by confrontation. It simply means having a face-to-face discussion or bringing up an issue with a person. The word confrontation is so scary when you hear it right away. Because it has, it just has a negative connotation that goes along with it. It just sounds so scary. And we want to reframe people's thoughts on the word confrontation. Because just like Trisha said, literally all it is, is talking to somebody face to face about something. Like, and I think it has such a negative connotation to it because people have had negative experiences with it because they haven't been doing it with compassion. So, Compassion is the first part of all of this because we have to think about the other person and we have to really think about our needs and why we want to confront someone in the first place. Yeah, so let's just talk about that for a second. To Molly and to me, the word confrontation is scary, but there are, I'm sure, plenty of people who don't think that way, who think that they embrace confrontation and they enjoy confrontation. There are lots of people like that. Molly and I just have the perspective of we're both kind of people pleasers and it's easier to not bring up stuff in certain Mm. situations. So I just want to point out, we probably have that bias. Not everyone listening is going to feel the same way. You might be listening to this thinking confrontation isn't scary at all, but for most people and what I imagine most of our listeners are identifying with is it's tricky to talk to people sometimes. And even if you are a person who loves confrontation, you want to make sure that you're doing it with that compassion element. You're not picking fights or bringing up things just to stir the pot because there obviously are personalities like that who enjoy quote unquote confrontation, who enjoy bringing up issues because they enjoy arguments at some level. I do envy people who are not scared of confrontation, though, because it shows that they value their own needs, and that's something we're going to touch on a lot today, because the reason people confront other people is because they have a need that isn't being met, and they need to do something about it to change that interaction, so... It should be why you're bringing it up. should be why, yes. That's that's our goal in helping people understand today. That is hopefully what people should be doing. Um, but I do envy people who aren't scared of it because I am scared of it. I think it's something that's hard and scary because you have to be vulnerable and sharing what you need. And a lot of times it doesn't match up with what the other person is doing because that's why you're confronting them. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it is a super vulnerable interaction. And what's so interesting is that Molly, you and I both love communication. So people should, people often say to me like, Oh, that must be so easy for you. And 
it's but it's not and so the point is even for people like us who think about communication a lot it is still something that you have to work at and that's okay it's like Brene Brown works on her vulnerability all the time even though that's what she researches so we are humans and we're all works in progress so we want to share our experiences and our thoughts and our insight with you all on how to compassionately confront people and why that's important so why is it important to bring up an issue to someone when you're having that issue? I think it's important because if you don't, first of all, acknowledge what you need in a relationship with somebody, whatever kind of relationship it is, romantic, friendship, workplace relationship, if you're not acknowledging what you need in that relationship, you are not valuing yourself. And if you're not valuing yourself, you are you're giving yourself the short end of the stick. And so with confront- confrontation, you're basically standing up for yourself in a way that acknowledges that you are going to get your needs met. And that is scary and you have to do it, but it's so important because if not, then you are going to be, you know, not living your life to the fullest and you're going to be not living in a way that is true to yourself. And you might you know, be considered something like a doormat. Like people feel like they might be able to walk all over you. And that's something we want to avoid too. Yeah. So it's interesting because there's definitely the element of we're bringing these issues up for ourselves and to meet our own needs. But the reason that we called, we wanted to focus on the compassion part also is you want to think about the needs of the other person. If I, for example, have an issue with something Molly is doing and I don't tell Molly that's not fair to me because I'm going to be bothered by it. And it's like Molly said, it's giving myself the short end of the stick. But it's also not fair to Molly because she may not know that I'm being bothered by the thing that she's doing. And if I don't tell her, that's not very kind of me. That's not very loving. She's going to go on doing this thing, having no idea that it's an issue for me. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, how come she keeps doing that? It's so obnoxious. Doesn't she know? And I expect her to be a mind reader. And so then I will likely start to silently resent Molly. This would never happen because Molly and I are very open with each other. But just (laughs) as an example, I could start to silently resent her or it could damage our friendship. And then I'm going to lash out at her in other ways because I was too afraid to talk to her about the thing that she was doing that was bothering me. So it's, yes, it's about meeting our own needs, but it's also about being considerate of the other person. They might not have any idea that what they're doing is is bothering you. And so if you're thinking, well, they should just know, eh -eh, take a step back because they may not know. And it's important and okay to explicitly remind someone and maybe they do know and they've just slipped and they've just forgotten. It's okay to gently say, hey, here's what's going on. And here are my needs. And we're gonna talk about some practical strategies of how to have those conversations a little bit later. But first, just want to acknowledge why that's so important. All these things will fester and damage the relationship on both ends if you don't bring them up when they're due. I think, yeah, <laughs> I like that. When it's due, like there's a due date. Like if not, if it goes past the due date, it be, does become what we've talked about before, like passive aggressive and maybe the relationship goes down the drain and that's something that's important. So I like saying like do it before it's due. Um, I did want to highlight something too that you said, Trisha. Like you were mentioning that it's something that is not going well between 
you and another person. I think something that can happen a lot is wanting to change somebody's relationship with other people too and confronting them about that. Make sure that you're staying in your lane too (laughs) and talking about what you know. You know most about the relationship between you and that other person. It's hard to speak on someone else's relationship with somebody else and try and confront them about that. All you can talk about in that moment is the relationship between you and that person. So it's important to focus on that too and your personal needs and what works well and what doesn't work well in that one-on-one relationship with the person you're confronting. Let's give an example to put this into perspective. So let's say the thing that Molly does that bothers me is she's late to everything, which isn't, this is just an example, but let's say Molly's late to every, everything. And whenever we're meeting up, I always get there and then I have to wait for 20 minutes for her to show up. And I feel totally disrespected. And, and if it's one thing for me to say, okay, Molly, it, when I'm waiting around for you, I feel disrespected. I would really appreciate it if you could get to lunch on time or make more of an effort to get here on time. That would make me feel like you value my time a little bit more. That's fine because that's talking about our relationship. But what Molly is saying is it's not my place to say when you're late for your meetings, people are going to, you're going to lose your job. That's, I'm not Molly's mother. That is not my place to say And so, and then if I'm commenting on Molly and her relationship with her friends or with her boyfriend, that's not my place unless she explicitly asks for my advice. If Molly comes to me and says, I have no idea why so-and-so told me they think that I don't value them, then I could ask her, how often do you arrive on time to your meetings with so-and-so? Or ask questions that will help her realize the thing that she's been doing. Then it's okay to talk about, but if I am the one who's coming to Molly with this complaint, I shouldn't be saying it in regards to any of her other relationships, just my relationship with Molly, because that's the only one that I know. Mm -hmm. You can only speak for yourself. You can't speak for other people. And whatever makes you happy and your needs might be different than other people. In this situation, maybe other people don't mind that I'm late because they're always late or whatever. But if Trisha has needs of having timely interactions with me, yeah, she needs to bring it up. And I need to know because it's part of like that compassionate confrontation. She wants to be thinking of me and she also wants to address her own needs. Yes. So then you mentioned this word earlier, Molly, of being a doormat. (laughs) So one thing that can happen is someone does something let's say we'll use this keep going with this example if molly is constantly late and i don't say anything about it because i'm worried about offending her which i'm chief among us i am the biggest or i'm working on not being such a people pleaser it's just my natural personality i am an empathetic person i don't like hurting other people's feelings so sometimes it feels easier to avoid hard conversations because i don't want to hurt their feelings What if I'm thinking, if I tell Molly that her being late bothers me, she's going to get upset, then I'm going to just not say anything and become the quote-unquote doormat. And then that translates to other forms of disrespect that could come out. The opposite of that would be being super aggressive, so saying and trying to retaliate. So for example, well, she's late, so I'm going to be later, and then I'm going to do this, and then or getting in a, an actual fight with someone about it and yelling at the person, like, I can't believe you're late, and that's not really productive. When it's never been brought up before, either. Yes, if it's never been brought up and just attacking the person. So that's where we want to find the balance, and what's really helpful 
for me is keeping into perspective the fact that it's okay to be empathetic. That's very important. And it's okay to consider the other person's feelings. But it's actually more kind, as I mentioned before, to bring it up than to be the doormat. By letting Molly walk all over me and show up whenever she wants and do all these disrespectful things, I am also not respecting her because I'm not telling her that it's bothering me. And so even though it feels uncomfortable, it's going to be really uncomfortable to bring up the issue. It's a more kind and loving to do that than it is to be a pushover. And I think, and, and not enabling the other person too, because when I was a kid, I was the biggest pushover. People would make fun of me and push me around and I won't say bully but definitely make me feel less than but I was just the target because I was so easy because they knew they could because I was such a doormat I was never ever ever going to confront anyone about my needs and my uncomfortable feelings in those situations so it enabled them even though I have a strong feeling that they knew that it wasn't a kind thing to do they weren't even reflecting on their own behaviors because they weren't getting any feedback from me that it was making me feel really hurt. So the person might even know that it's something that's not great to do. But if you don't confront them about it and, sh- and stand up on your own two feet and acknowledge your own needs, then you might be enabling that person too. Or maybe they don't even know that they're doing something wrong, like Trisha said, and it's kind to kind of share what your needs are too. And what just occurred to me when you said that, if those people are constantly bullying you or being bossy and they don't get any negative feedback and they think that's okay, they're going to do that. They could do that in their next relationship with another person or their next friendship and think that that's normal and then not understand why people don't want to be their friends. And so I'm not, we don't want to take on the role of coach or therapist and, or telling people what to do, which is why, You don't want to say, don't do this because it's going to harm all your friendships. But by pointing out that certain behaviors are being destructive to your friendship, making sure that you're focusing on the behavior, not the person themselves. We're on that in a moment. But by doing that, you're helping the people realize that the behavior is not a good one. And so hopefully they can stop doing that. And so their other friendships will benefit as well. But again, that's not your goal is not to fix them. Your goal is to strengthen your relationship with that person. Might be a lovely side effect to get the ball rolling for that person's thought process. Exactly. But that shouldn't be where you're coming from. It should be coming from the point of, I want to repair our relationship. And acknowledge my own needs and be kind. But yes. Yes. And so what I said just a moment ago, comment on the behavior, not the person. You want to make sure in any sort of conflict or confrontation or discussion is you're not faulting the person. So I don't want to say, Molly, you're so disrespectful. You never get here on time because that makes Molly, it it assigns it as a character flaw to Molly, as opposed to what I can say is this behavior, this action showing up late feels disrespectful to me because Molly can change the behavior. She's going to feel more empowered and want to change the behavior knowing that there has that negative side effect. But if I just say she's a bad person, then it's like, oh, okay, what do I do with that? And it's not as productive and it's going to make her feel really bad. So going back to our empathy and wanting people to feel love from this conversation, yeah, it might sting a little to feel, to know that the behavior you're doing has been hurting someone, but 
it's going to be better off to, you're better off stating it in a way that says this behavior can be changed versus there's something wrong with you. We actually touched on this on the self-talk episode, like one of our first episodes, mm-hmm. how we talk to ourselves. We don't talk to ourselves saying, oh, I'm such an idiot and such a, I don't know, lazy person. You say, oh, me not going to the gym this morning, that was a lazy behavior. Tomorrow I can become more proactive. Yeah. Good. So then that is kind of a nice segue into how do we actually have these conversations? We know why it's important and the energy that we want to go in with. First is prepare. So make sure you know, first of all, why you're bringing up the conversation in the first place. It's important this whole, I want to go back to just the word prepare. Prepare for this because if you don't, it's going to come up in an unexpected way and it's going to bubble and it's going to come out not the way you want it to because you haven't thought about it. And that's when things get said that you don't truly mean. And that's when even more conflicts come up. I don't know if you guys have ever, yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a fight and you're so worked up and so angry, you say super, super hurtful things And then you have to go back and backtrack the next day say, I am so sorry for saying that. It was the heat of the moment. That's not what I meant. And so making sure you're preparing so it doesn't bubble up is so important. So make sure that we do all of these steps and just pre-think isn't the right word, but um, think about it beforehand. Reflect on, and first step is reflect on why it's even an issue for you. Because sometimes people do things that bother us and it has nothing to do with them doing, maybe they're not doing anything wrong, but it bothers us for something we have going on in our own lives. And so first we want to question, why is this behavior bothersome to me? And figure out, is this a me thing? Am I going through a rough patch? Or is this something they're doing that's actually destructive to the relationship. And if it's on my end, I need to first do the work on my end before I bring it up to them because there might not be anything they can do. It could be I could tell them to change this behavior, but it's actually not going to solve the problem because I've got internal issues that are deeper. I actually have something that you did, Trisha, to me in a positive way. You confronted me positively about something, um, and it's something that I've been working on. I think since college. So, (laughs) and granted, it's 10 years after college. Well, I don't know, six or seven years after college now. So when I take tests, I move a lot. (laughs) I shake my legs a lot. And I could sit in front of a lot of my other friends and shake my legs and do things and they don't mind. But (laughs) Trisha has um, become, gets distracted by it. And so Trisha kindly shared with me, compassionately shared with me, that it's something that distracts her brain. And so she's even, I think you even rearranged your seating at one point to like help your brain, but also you shared it with me. You shared it with me though, to like, let me know, like if Trisha's sitting behind me, like to be cognizant of that. And again, that's not something that me and my other friend would have to talk about or work on, but it's something between Trisha and I's relationship. Trisha didn't say the whole class was looking at your leg and everyone's pissed off at you. (laughs) She said something that affected her and it was kind. And it's something that I'm now aware of and it was helpful for our relationship. 
Yeah, fun fact about me, I get very distracted by repetitive movements. So if someone's like tapping their foot or even especially taking a test if someone's shaking their foot and so I like put my hair over my face so it doesn't distract me but it would make me upset with Molly which wasn't fair to Molly at all because she like like she said a lot of people aren't bothered by that she had no idea she's even doing it but it's so nice that it's out in the ether because now even sometimes on FaceTime when we're Mm -hmm. talking or recording a podcast I was doing it 10 minutes ago stop shaking and now I can just say stop shaking because she knows it drives me crazy and sometimes also I need to check myself and say it's fine like sometimes I just let it go and I don't say anything and I do what I need to do to distract myself and so that's what we mean is you have to figure out why it's an issue and then offer solutions if there, so before you even go into the conversation, make sure there's a solution to be had. If Molly shaking her leg, is, if there's nothing that can be done about it, which in this case there is, but if it was something that she can't change, then there's really no point bringing it up. But in this case, I'm going to go in and say, it would be really helpful for me if you would try to not shake your leg or if you can sit in a different seat or I'm don't be offended if I sit in a different seat here's why and that way we're proposing a solution or saying for the being late example the next time you know that you have a meeting with me can you block off 20 minutes in your calendar before the meeting so that I know you're going to get here on time or something like that where I'm not just attacking or we're, whoever's confronting isn't attacking and saying well this is what's wrong fix it you're going in with a proposal for a solution and this is especially productive at work I think Trisha you gave me a good example we always like pre-think before the episode and you gave me the example of what if your boss just came up to you and said hey your work sucks do better <laughs> and you're like oh okay, let me go do that. Like, it feels very, very unproductive. And it just feels like you're being attacked. Like, cool, my boss now hates me and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah, and then you start inventing scenarios and you think, come up with all these crazy reasons. Whereas, So if I told Molly, like, Molly, you're really distracting me during the test, and I didn't tell her why, specifically, she's going to come up with all these crazy ideas of what was I doing that was distracting and not have any idea. Or why was Trisha mad at me today? And then she's going to think of a million different things. But people really value specificity. And I can imagine, too, if you had never told me, Trisha, like maybe 20, 30 minutes before the test, you maybe started would have getting, me maybe would have started getting short with me or start being like, you know, slightly rude to me and I'd been like what the heck what's going on because you were already anticipating becoming annoyed by my behavior that I didn't know bothered you yeah and I think that's even true now sometimes I'll just kind of make a face when Molly's shaking and I feel like you know Mm. yeah (laughs) because it just it's like seriously I think it's just a neurological way that I'm wired it's not just Molly it's like I would leave seats on the subway when I lived in New York if someone was doing that because it just I can't stand it. I don't know why, but it makes, I have a physical reaction. And so sometimes, even though I try to hide it, I'll make a face and Molly will know. And so now she'll change it. But because we had that conversation, it doesn't have any adverse effects to our friendship. Yes, exactly. The other thing is generally when you're bringing, if you're the one bringing this up, begin with I statements as opposed to you statements. So instead of saying you really bother me when or you do this thing, I can say, I feel frustrated when you don't show up on time. I feel disrespected when. I feel 
whatever you're maybe feeling so that the person doesn't feel attacked. Again, that is focusing on your needs and framing it around your impact, the impact you're having on their behavior. So it's not attacking them, their human character or saying they have character flaws. It's saying when this behavior occurs, my feelings change. Mm-hmm. The end. It's not like you're a horrible person, so I'm really, really mad at you. Because then the person's more likely to get defensive. And yeah. if this happens to you, let's say someone comes up to you and it's like, you do all these things, blah, 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 blah. You can still react the same way. You don't really have time to prepare for that. So all of the preparation yeah. strategies are gone. But you can react by saying, okay, I'm a little taken off guard. Here's what I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like this is totally out of the blue or whatever it is. But you don't want to attack back with you. You don't want to attack in any case. You can face the confrontation gracefully and handle it by trying to be as objective as possible and not getting emotionally charged easier said than done but this practicing these i statements in general is very helpful for those scenarios when you don't have time to prepare if you already get in the habit of doing this it'll become second nature and so your knee-jerk reaction won't be to be say well you do this other thing it'll be to slowly calmly say well i feel xyz Exactly. You mentioned a good word too, the word emotionally charged. Confrontations are emotionally charging. You are doing something super vulnerable, so it makes you nervous. The situation is obviously something that needs to be addressed, so it's something difficult. And these confrontations cause us to become emotionally charged. So in addition, during the preparation period, make sure that like immediately prior to your planned confrontation, make sure that you're in the right physical state and mental state. So say, for example, I was planning on talking to Trisha and compassionately confronting her about something that was bothering me, a behavior that was bothering me, and say, on my way to go grab lunch with her, my tire popped and it went flat. And then I had all these kind of stressful moments and then maybe, you know, there was huge, a lot of traffic and I was in this very stressed out state that's going to make my compassionate confrontation with her become maybe aggressive because I'm in a bad mood on top of it. So really check in with yourself and make sure you're in the right mindset to have the conversation with the other person. So it does come off in a kind way and you can access the strategies that we're telling you now. Yeah. And in general, you just want to frame it in a way that's mutually beneficial. So you're not again, keep in mind, you're not just doing this for yourself. And you're not just doing this for the other person, you're doing it for your relationship. And when you go in with that mentality, it's, I think it's easy, it's just naturally going to evolve to being something that's beneficial for both of you, because you show the person I'm not doing this because I hate you, I'm doing this because I care. And if I didn't care, I wouldn't bring it up. If I didn't care, I would be the doormat. If I didn't care, I would let this ruin our friendship and just walk away and never explain to you why. But if you if you preface it by saying, I'm bringing this up because I care so much about you and this is detrimental to our relationship, you're setting yourself up for success and the other person is really going to value and appreciate that. The other Completely. most important thing, so I hope you stuck around to the end of the episode, is this really isn't as hard as it sounds. And I 
can honestly say this because I just did this last week. There was a big issue I was having in my life. I was crying every day for for a week. It wasn't that long, but it was every day for a week. I was crying about this thing, and I was talking to a lot of other people about this conflict I was having with someone else. It wasn't even a conflict. It wasn't an outright conflict. It was just some the way that I was communicating with someone that I loved very much and the way they were communicating with me was leaving me feeling a lot of negative feelings. And so I brought this conversation up and I I simply just said, hey, can we talk about this thing you said last week? And the person said, sure. And we talked about it and it was like 15 minutes and it was, I cried a little during the conversation, but it was so well received and I felt so much better afterwards and I knew it like had gotten to the point where it was due I was like I have to talk about this thing and I the only reason I even let it go on for a week is because that's how our schedules worked out but afterwards it's like why did I fear that conversation it was so easy and I swear I feel that way every time every time that I have a conversation that I've been dreading it ends up being just fine so I encourage everyone to practice with low stakes scenarios because the more often you practice confronting in general, the easier it'll be when it is a really big, important conversation. Completely. I have the same experiences and so I can vouch for what Trisha just said too. All right. So takeaways for today. My takeaway is going to be doing some soul searching to figure out if there are any hidden annoyances about in relationships that you have that you haven't been confronting in yourself to think about that and see if there's any discussions or compassionate confrontations that you need to start having. Mm -hmm. Mine is similar and this is again based on recent experience pay attention to the way that you talk about your relationships to other people so I found myself complaining about a situation to a bunch of other people and in my head I'm like this isn't a big deal I don't need to have this conversation with this person I don't even care that much and it's like oh wait I've gone and told like three different people about this situation obviously it's a big deal to me and so sometimes it just takes that slap in the face of like three other people have told me I need to talk to this person I need to talk to this person so pay attention to those sorts of things so that you don't end up just gossiping or complaining to other people because that's not productive that doesn't help the other person and it doesn't help you it just spreads a bunch of negative energy so take an inventory of the way that you communicate about your other relationships and if there's anything negative in there that can be solved which usually it can be solved instead of talking to someone else about it talk to that person directly using other people for advice and guidance is fine but when you're only talking to other people and not the person that's not productive exactly all right we hope this episode was helpful it's something that trisha and i are both pretty passionate about so we're excited to have talked about it rate us and review us on iTunes or any other platform that you listen to us, but iTunes is super helpful. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Lost Art of Communication, and we love hearing from you guys, so reach out. Yes, and enjoy 